Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. We have with us today John Lewis. Uh, John is associate pastor and worship pastor at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. John, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. Hey, uh, I, I want to take advantage of this opportunity. You've been here uh, with us this week, and actually this is second weekend at Carson doing a Disciple Now and leading us in worship, which has mm-hmm. been Really, some great weekends, and and I, I met you. I guess it was last. It was last year. Yeah, and the, God kind of brought all that together because we were doing a disciple now, and uh, we were looking for a band, and a youth pa- pastor in in uh, Johnson City or Kingsport had had already booked you. Tried yeah. to do a couple of denials, couldn't. He said, "Hey, you can have John." <laughs> we worked it out, and yeah. you did. You brought your whole band, and, yeah. and y'all did a phenomenal job. Uh, thank yeah. you. We had fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was good. And so I, I wanted to take a, this time to build, just talk to you a little bit about uh, about you, about ministry, about worship ministry, where it's been, where it's going, what you've experienced. But before we do that, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I've been in North Carolina pretty much most of my life. Uh, born in South Carolina, raised in North Carolina down on the coast. Uh, went to App State in, in Boone and uh married a, a girl from the the bottom of the mountain there in Wilkes County and mm-hmm. and so uh got got married and and uh have pretty much been in that same area uh ever since. And so I love the mountains and uh and and my son and I have gotten really involved in the last uh 4 or 5 years with a an organization called Trail Life and so we've mm-hmm. done a lot of hiking and camping and things. Um it's been great to spend time with him. Uh, and and to get outdoors, I just really I love I love this environment. I love uh, being up here because something about the mountains. I don't know. I just see the majesty of the Lord. You know, right. it, it just I don't know. It does something for me. Yeah. I love it. So you got uh, two kids? Uh, no, I got five. Five kids. I'm sorry. I've got two that are with me this That's weekend. Right. That's but right. I've got five. <laughs> yeah. So um, my oldest uh, is in her, in her senior year right now. Uh, my son, my only. Son, he turns 16 this week, this coming week. And then I've got an 11-year-old and twins that are seven. And um, just the one boy, the rest of them are girls. Wow. So. You got a, you got a seven-year-old. 
Yeah, two so, of them. Two of them. <laughs> <laughs> two for one deal. That's right. <laughs> that's when you think, uh, "Wow, I'm I'm uh, getting older," and <laughs> when they get out of our house, I'll be like past retirement, right? Yeah. yeah. We were 38. My wife and I have the same birthday. We're the same age. Um, like she's 14 hours older. That's how. <laughs> that's how close we got. And uh, yeah, we were 38 when the twins were born. It definitely, uh, it definitely is different than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than earlier years, but we love it. Well, now let's just let's just talk about your ministry. Uh, you've been at uh, day three for how many years? Uh, so this month is ten years. Okay, yeah, been there ten years. Been full time the last two years, and um, serving by vocational uh, for the first eight. So how does that change? So, so you have a good idea for being in one place for ten years. How has worship and music ministry changed within the church? We've talked to many people. Most all pastors will all agree that things were very different mm-hmm. before COVID. Yeah, and they're and they're different now, and, yeah. and and different to come. But kind of explain what all you experienced during that time. Yeah, well, I, I've been in ministry for uh, over twenty years now. Uh, uh, the interesting thing is, I, I think that some of the trajectories in ministry that were happening when I got into ministry were were this kind of uh, performance-driven model, mm-hmm. uh, the, the attractional model, some people call it, where um, you know, you're trying to, for lack of a better term, put on a good production right. to draw a crowd. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that those things have their place. Uh, I think that they could be useful. But what I've seen in the midst of COVID, uh, one of the ways I think it's affected the church and worship ministry in particular is people are longing for connection. They don't need another show. They have media 24-7 at their fingertips. I mean, we carry around these little mini computers. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, you could do more stuff from your phone than you can from your computer oftentimes, and it's all touch of the screen. You know, we're competing with far better production uh, than we could ever reproduce week to week. But that's not what people need, ultimately. They need connection. I think that that has played a role in maybe reshaping the focus of how we uh, how we execute a uh, a worship service differently than before. Also, um, how we select our I hate to say it, but that performance mindset and attractional model has really shaped the music we use in the church in some not so great ways for for the corporate aspect. Keys are are designed for guys like me who sing tenor and not for the yeah. average singer. And so, you know, putting some more attention on the the range, the vocal range we use and things like that so that people can engage, I think has been helpful during this time as well. Right. Now, have and I'm sure you, your church also experienced uh, during, probably had a time of closure. Yeah. Uh, and then coming back open. Yeah. And I guess numbers have, uh, have they been able to bounce back? Or are you still working on that? Or? Just just recently, the last two weeks at our church, we've seen our numbers, the highest they've been since uh, COVID started. Right. And I would say that we, we've been, I don't know if, I haven't looked at what those numbers are. I just, I'm judging by the bodies in the room, sure. each service. We have multiple services, but I would say, I would say we're getting close. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're a hundred percent. And I, I still know there, there are people who haven't darkened the doors of the church still. And they stay in contact. They're they're even um, giving regularly to our church, but they don't come. Well, that's a common thing across yeah. the state, and I guess across the uh, uh, whole country. Yeah. Those, uh, especially, and of course, I know that since we're part of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, 
we know kind of what Baptists are doing. So other denominations, right. we don't know quite so much, but uh, uh, most are still giving. Most churches are still financially stable, and there's always there's some exceptions to that too. But now you're bivocational. So you're, I guess, uh, I, I, I have a sentence to say full-time job because yeah. <laughs> because your your ministry is full-time too. Yeah. But uh, now, but you also do things like you're doing here this weekend. Mm-hmm. You're coming in and leading yeah. retreats and summer camps. But that's not your bivocational job, is it? Well, no. So I guess it would be now. Uh, I when I was uh, I, I went on staff full-time with the church. I think about two weeks before we closed the door for three months. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was working for a phone company, a cell phone company, in the engineering department. Uh, but uh, now now I'm pretty much focusing my energies on the church. But I do, I do have this music ministry. I started this before I went to the church. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lord prompted me to do this and never really wanted to pursue or promote me per se, because mm-hmm. it's not about that. But at the same time, I felt like it was something the Lord had prompted me to do to to get my name out there and some of the music I was writing and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so, uh, just trying to be obedient to that. But I've had opportunity over the last uh, ten years to to play at a lot of different churches and events, festivals. I've opened for lots of well known mm-hmm. uh, national acts and 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 done festivals with them. You know, people that like Jason Crabb and Phil Wickham and mm-hmm. Meredith Andrews and Finding Favor and Unspoken and, yeah. um, you know, just all, all these, all these people, I am they, um, and, uh, Matthew West. And it just, so it's been a great thing. I've loved it, but, um, more than anything, I love the opportunity to minister and interact with students like here and stuff. And it, it's a ministry like this, mm-hmm. um, where I came to know Christ. It was actually just down the road from here, Carson Newman College, uh, mm-hmm. centrifuge camps, and and um, I, I came to know Christ in that context. And and I think I told you last time I was here. You know, I, I've never gotten over meeting Jesus, right? And uh, I just want to I just want to share that with these kids as often as I can. Yeah, know? we like to share with churches that are looking for. People mm-hmm. do music, and I tell people even these uh, the churches we have with our disciple now. I, I, when I introduce you to them mm-hmm. before they even ma- meet you, I say, "Listen, this guy." And I know I'm not, I know that you're not. Uh, I'm not trying to build you up or make you feel be- good about yourself or anything. <laughs> I appreciate it, but <laughs> but uh, you know, I tell them. I said we couldn't have a better worship leader band talented than anybody else we would even listen to, you know, in the contemporary Christian field uh, for because of you. And, and we, uh, you, you connect so well with the students. And I know it's probably because just what you said, because your experience was accepting the Lord during feuds and and then coming back, be involved in campus some way to touch lives. I mean, you know, that that's exciting. And it, build to see is. that God would use you, and that's yeah. that's always you know always a thrill. I think that why would you even want to? But man, I'm so honored that you're doing it. I appreciate it. I, I you know honestly, I've look. I ha- I've had the opportunity. It was only once. So I don't want to make it sound like it's all the time. You know, I, I've had the opportunity to to play in front of 
over 10,000 people. And that's not an opportunity that many people in on my level, uh, what what would be called a regional act, mm-hmm. not a national act, right? Nobody in Oklahoma knows who I am. Uh, but, you know, North South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, um, I have some name recognition. Um, but I've had opportunity to, to play for over 10,000 people at once. And um, that's huge. Uh, but more than that, I find such fulfillment in the opportunity to do things like like last year when I was here for the first time. And it just in the moment just felt the prompting that I was supposed to share my testimony. And I just shared a portion of it. And then to hear leaders come to me the next morning and say, we were up all night with our kids. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them struggling with with, with suicide, and your testimony really helped and uh, opened the door for us to talk about that stuff. And that lets me know that I'm I'm making a difference. I can entertain people for a few minutes, yeah. and they can go on and listen to somebody else next, you know, and and, and it, mean, it may not mean anything. But in these contexts, I have an opportunity to impact individuals, and that's why I try to I try to get to know the kids. I try to learn their names and, and spend time talking to them because uh, I, I just want to see God work in their lives. Do you not think that's important? I know, you know, we could go to a lot of venues like, you know, local ones, Hearts on Fire, and we do uh, YEC through the state convention. And there's lots of these big retreats you can go to that has big right. bands and has, or even uh, um, those big venues in which you have all these contemporary Christian artists there. Mm-hmm. Do you not think it's even more important than just playing the music or necessarily just leading worship, but really to make the connection with them mm-hmm. as well as your sole purpose is not to entertain, yeah, but to bring everybody in the presence of God? Oh, sure. I think there's a lot of worship that happens, but I, I don't think we all... I think it's not all as often that we are worshiping God as we are worshiping ourselves. Mm. Whether that's the artist or or the uh, or the person in the audience, I think that uh, we tend to gravitate towards the music that that we like, or we we gravitate towards the people that have the charisma, or they have um, some sort of status, you know. And, and we feel we feel special if we're connected. Mm-hmm. to that person because they're somehow elevated in our minds. Uh, the reality is the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm no different than they are, you know, except that I was where they are now mm-hmm. at some at one point. And uh, there's a there's a guy that years ago, Kurt Cloninger, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he he's an actor and, and uh, Christian, and he used to travel and do these monologues, and he had... He had a piece that he did called Witnesses, and in that he plays a character that, that came to know Christ, and he said, he said, now I just go around and try to talk some more people into being used-to-be's like me. And I think, you know, that's, I love that line. That's what it's about. If we're worshiping Christ, then that's what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is helping other people be used-to-be's, not whether or not they like my music, not whether or not they buy my merchandise, not whether or not my my song gets played on the radio or any of that other stuff. So if it's going to be true worship, then it has to be Christ-centered, and it has to be something that that hopefully puts someone else face-to-face mm-hmm. with who he is. And and so that's really the goal. I've had people over the years tell me I need to sing with my eyes open. Um, if you notice, I have a hard time doing that, and it's because uh, in my own struggle with pride mm-hmm. over the years, I just I started closing my eyes so I didn't think about what other people thought about me. 
and now I, I just go, I kind of go to this place and I, I know there's worship leaders out there that would say that's that's bad that's poor form you know you, you don't need to do that you can't connect with your crowd well it works for me because I just stay I just try to stay connected to him right. and then let him do the other part you yeah know? <laughs> well and I think I, I, I agree with you is that uh, you know if I'm worshiping if I if I if the worship leader uh, is leading me to worship. I'm not staring at his eyes, you know, yeah. or if he's moving his hand at a certain tempo. Yeah. But I'm really connected with, I've actually lost myself in yeah. being with God yeah. and, and lifting my voice up. And that, to me, for someone leading worship, that is your your whole, I guess, purpose yeah. and drive to bring everybody in the presence of the Lord all at one time, Right. Absolutely. I heard somebody say it like this, and I think it's a great analogy. You know, we used to think of um, the worship, and, and I think it's part of that attractional model we were talking about. And a lot of times we view worship as this is the halftime show, mm-hmm. right? Like this is uh, this is where you get to see the musicians shine. And uh, really, the worship leader needs to be like the head of the cheerleading squad. Like, hey, my job right now is to get you guys in the stands to cheer for the one who's on the field. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. Uh, that's that's the Lord, right? Yeah. We're we're encouraging other people to cheer mm. for the greatness of God, who mm. who He is, and and um, that's kind of how I think about it. I think all too often we get focused on this idea that we're the players on the field, but we're really we're really the ones on the sidelines encouraging others, you know, to to get engaged in in uh, who finding who God is right. and recognizing Him. So that, that's kind of how I approach it. And I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong with leading or making an eye connection or anything. But, sure. But I think, you, and if you agree with me, is that if the uh, one that's leading us to worship is lost in worship as well, mm-hmm. he's leading us because we yeah. can't help. It's an overflow, of yeah. overflow of his time into to those who are worshiping too. Yeah. I mean, well, it's got to be, in order to lead, People have to follow. Yes. Right? Um, and, and they won't follow you somewhere you haven't been. So the reality is that the worship leader needs to be the lead worshiper. We need right. to be the one out front, like, yeah. hey, follow me. This is the direction yeah. of Christ. We've never really—I've I've talked to some other music ministers before, and not we've not really talked about too deep into that aspect of worship, of of what's really the goal. I'm hesitant to say goal because I really think it's more all— actually more organic, maybe? Is that a good sure. word uh, in worship? Uh, and I know that, and of course, I grew up in a traditional Baptist church, so we we right. sang from the Baptist hymnal, which was awesome, because uh, that so much of our theology is wrapped up in that. But it, it, it was hard to, to, I guess, disconnect from those words. You would just read those words, but you, at least for me, my experience growing up, it wasn't so much worship as it was learning theology, in a sense. Right, I can see that. I remember as in my younger years being in a traditional country church in the mountains mm-hmm. and thinking, I can't stand this music. Yeah. Like I can't <laughs> worship this way, and and then and nothing against. I don't want that to sound like I'm being critical now of those things. But what I had to realize, the Lord convicted me one mm-hmm. one time. I was sitting in church on Sunday morning and I was listening to the same old country, you know, blueback hymnal song that I had heard thousand times in the last year. And I just muttered under my breath, Lord, I cannot worship like this. And instantly the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, the problem is not the music. The problem is your attitude. Yeah. And I, and I instantly 
like if you if you could have a video of my face, I'm sitting on the front pew in the in the sanctuary, and if somebody had seen my face, I, I looked like uh, I had just been confronted in a lie, you know, or something yeah. that I had told a lie or whatever, and and um, I, I was just shocked, and I said, Lord, that's not what I meant, and He mm-hmm. said, Yeah, you did. And so I had to go through this journey. Uh, went to this church for years. This is the church where my wife and I got married, and I, I just stopped singing. I stopped singing, and people would think, well, that's horrible. No, it wasn't. It was exactly what I needed because I'm very analytical. So I took the hymnal and whatever song they were singing, I just read the text. And then I said, okay, what does this mean? What was the intent behind it? Is this theologically correct? And we don't ask that very often right. in Baptist churches, do we? Yeah. We need to uh, in a lot of denominations. But is this theologically correct? And then I would say, Lord, is this true about me? So when we'd sing, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, I'd go, well, I don't know what a bulwark is. I need to go home and look it up. So I would go home and look it up. What's a bulwark? It's a support beam on a ship. Now I listen and I say, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, a support that never fails. Ah, do I know that to be true? Lord, show me that you are a support that never fails me. Right. And so I would take the worship time while everybody else around me is singing, and I might get lost in one particular stanza of the hymn, just praying it back to the Lord and saying, okay, I need this to be true. I need to know this about you. And it revolutionized my approach to worship uh, and my understanding of what worship was, because now the style of music was not the issue. The substance of worship was the issue. Now I can go into that setting and say, okay, the style is what connects with these people. The substance is the same regardless. Mm-hmm. And and now once we recognize that, then we move. <laughs> and I tell my people at church about this all the time. Music is not worship, and worship is not music. The word worship means to ascribe worth. And so worship happens in a lot of ways. It doesn't just happen in our singing. It happens in our prayer time. Right. It happens in the way we live our lives. It happens in our obedience to the Word of God. It, it happens in our being able to listen to the Holy Spirit. These are all aspects of worship. And so... Worship is just an outward expression of something that's happening in my heart because I'm elevating Christ. And so now when I sing, I sing in response to the joy that he's put inside me. I sing in response to the gratitude I have for him. I don't sing and say, here's my worship, Mm -hmm. as if my words or my notes are the essence of that because there's a lot of great musicians that can sing Amazing Grace, Mm -hmm. right? And they may do the best job that, that anybody's ever heard, but if they don't know Christ, if they're not responding to the goodness of God in their life, that's not worship. It's just a good performance. Right. I think all of that helps shape my perspective on how we go about that. Well, now, uh, if if somebody was interested in learning more about you mm-hmm. uh, and about how to contact you or even come and uh, maybe lead in some sort of retreat, adult adults or mm-hmm. kids or anything else, how would they contact you? Uh, so I, I do have a website. Um, with COVID, most of the <clears throat> bookings and things got just kind of went by the wayside. There's not been a lot. Uh, starting to pick up now, but I need to revamp the website is the short of that. So there's a few broken links and things like that. But you, I think you can still contact me there. It's johnlewismusic.com. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook. You can look up John Lewis Music on Facebook. And and then you can also find me at day3church.org day and the number three church.org. Um, and there's there's ways to contact me through all of those websites. And of course, um, if you know how to get in touch with uh, Kevin and Carson Springs, uh, Kevin's got my cell number yeah. and email yeah. address and all that sort of thing. So I welcome any of that. 
opportunities to do ministry and, and travel around and share what God's done in my life. So if they wanted to listen to some of your music, is it? Is it I can't remember if it's on your website. I think there, there is some on your website. Well, though. there was a link, and that's one of the things I've got okay. to get fixed. So my online distro, the people that were doing that got out of it, so mm-hmm. the the widget doesn't work. Uh, but I do have I do have the first album on iTunes and Amazon and and Google and all those places. You just have to. John Lewis is too common of a name. Yeah. And uh, there's a famous jazz musician named John Lewis who's got thousands of albums. So, yes, I ha- I noticed that. Yeah. So the <laughs> easiest way is just just do John Lewis stronger because that's the first track on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Stronger. Uh, John Lewis stronger. And if you search that, you can find the album. Uh, the second album I've not done digital distro on yet, so I've got to get I'll get that one up and running. And then I've got two singles that pre-COVID mm-hmm. I recorded in Nashville and uh, didn't release because I w- all the bookings went away, and yeah. so I thought oh, I'll sit on those. So I'll probably be releasing those coming yeah. up this year. Okay. Yeah. Well, John, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. A few minutes. I know yeah. uh, it's been a busy day, and uh, we're getting ready to have some activities here in about an hour. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you want to see what we're going to do with this big, giant, 12-foot-tall round ball and the athletic field. I'm kind of curious myself, and I'm going to be doing it, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, last time I was here, it busted. It popped, yeah. yeah. It was only six foot. This time it's 12 foot. Oh, wow. So, so it, it's going to be uh, twice the entertainment, I guess, <laughs> if we can actually get it happen. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for taking time to share yeah, with man. me. Anytime. For those who are listening to our podcast right now, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for me or John, you can always email us at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Also, if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, please uh, leave a comment or just follow us. That, that will help others find this great resource. Well, hopefully I'll, we'll talk to you next time and hear our ne- next episode. But until then, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.